Welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier, and I don't know how many of you are aware of this, but there is a connection between what happens in the spiritual realm and what happens in the natural realm. The natural realm is governed by the spiritual realm, but the natural realm affects the spiritual realm. Wicked forces in heavenly places, that's those that are not heaven, but the unseen realm, which is around us, are behind wicked things happening in the earth. The Holy Spirit and ministering angels are the Lord and his forces influencing the earth for godly purposes. Now there are wicked people that have used their voice to call for wicked actions, systems, and laws in the earth and given permission to wicked spirits to influence the earth wickedly because the people of God have abdicated their responsibility and spiritual authority. But I will tell you, there has been a shift in the atmosphere in the world. And we can look at America to be specific. And we can see that shift, which has been reflected through the, the United States Supreme Court. Right? Because for a time in America, we, we can say the church has been quiet. We have been waiting for other people to make decisions for us. And we had previously abdicated our responsibility to pray in line with the will of God, to bind and to loose, to cast out demons, to select godly leaders, to decree and declare righteousness in the earth and in our nation. And as a result, we have had judges in the Supreme Court, and the court's on the whole, but we're going to focus on the Supreme Court. And we've had these judges that were issuing wicked rulings because they were being influenced by wicked spiritual forces. But now, and recently, we have seen a change of judges, and that's we've seen them now issue godly rulings, because they are being influenced by godly spiritual forces. Now these godly rulings are starting to, I'll say, crescendo. And they will continue as the people of God continue to take up their roles and responsibilities as delegated by Christ, to declare righteousness and call for righteous actions, systems, and laws. And this is not something new, right? That We can go back throughout history. And uh, I'm reminded of Martin Luther King, right? And his stance was that he believed that the laws of man must align with the laws of God. Even while he was sitting in prison in the Birmingham City Jail in April of 1963, he wrote a letter to the clergy, to other pastors, to other ministers. And he explained a few things. And these are just a few quotes from that letter. He says, A just law is a man-made code that squares with the moral law, or the law of God. While an unjust law is a code that is out of harmony with the moral law. He further says that any law that uplifts human personality is just. Any law that degrades human personality is unjust. And of course, he was speaking about civil rights and segregation, so he says all segregation statutes are unjust because segregation distorts the soul and damages the personality. It gives the segregated a false sense of inferiority. He further goes on to say that an unjust law is a code that 
A majority inflicts on a minority that is not binding on itself. This is difference made legal. And on the other hand, a just law is a code that a majority compels a minority to follow, that it is willing to follow itself. This is sameness made legal. But he also says something interesting in there. He says, there are some instances when a law is just on its face, but unjust in its application. And I think each and every person that is listening to this podcast and this episode can think of multiple laws and multiple ways where we've all experienced both just laws and unjust laws, and even laws that appear just on the surface. But when we really dig down deep and look at how it's applied or how the law is, and I'll say those those legislators and those judges that have drafted the law that, and then those that are required to enforce the law intend to enforce the law, it changes how just that law actually is. Now, we're bringing this up because, and examining the Supreme Court, because the U.S. Supreme Court has recently come back into session, right? And just within the last couple of weeks, we have seen them issue uh, I'll say emergency stoppages and laws in examining voting laws, right? Uh, that are mitigating, I'll say the power or the the power of the vote or the voice of the people in selecting leaders from certain people, ethnicities or groups through restriction or gerrymandering. And we see that in the the big cases that have come up to include a rare emergency order from late September was in Georgia and the way they they have established their system of electing members for the state's public service commission. But that's not the only one. Prior to their the end of the last session, as it pertains to abortion, there was the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which many cheered for, rightfully. Because the laws of God are about life. And I know there are the arguments of my body, my choice. But I'm not taking away from that. We all have a choice. This is, again, a God-given right to make a choice of who we will serve, the Lord or the adversary, Satan, right? But I have to bring up this point in that statement. When is the choice made? When is the choice made? So anyone that's ever had to, gone with someone, had to sit in any type of court setting, and there just so happens to be someone that is going through, I'll say, in any court for even something, so we'll say a DUI. What happens? I've, anytime I've ever been in a courtroom, and this has come up, every judge I've ever seen makes this same point. One, they say that there were other options. They didn't have to drive. But two, 
then the biggest point that they focus on is this. That the choice was made before they got drunk. They had the option to choose not to engage in that action or behavior before they even went out that night. So there is a choice, absolutely, as it pertains to abortion and engaging in, I'll say, immorality, sexual immorality, or sexual relations outside of the covenant of marriage. And that choice is made long before the individual went out that night or engaged in that behavior. So they still have a choice. It just occurred before they thought it did. Before, which is always before the consequences of the actions happen. And then there's the other statement that we hear in relation to, I'll say, the, the topic of abortion. And then this statement is always is heard constantly after the first one is addressed. The, the topic or the, the statement of my body, my choices is addressed, which is the statement of get your laws off my body. Well, if we examine it in light of our most recent podcast, I don't know that people understand what they're asking for. And what they're asking for is chaos because there is no accountability. There is no consistency. And it goes exactly to what Martin Luther King addressed, where now you have laws, but they're not binding for those people that are trying to, I'll say, that have come up with the law. So how can there be any consistency? It is it now inconsistency, which is exactly what the enemy, the adversary, Satan, is attempting to have consistently throughout the earth, where the Lord is saying, be consistent in my ways, my thoughts, and my ordinances. Now, why do we bring this up? We bring this up because also in discussing abortion, there is a one of the Supreme Court justices, Mr. Clarence Thomas, has made made some interesting statements in his, I'll say, opinion of the overturning Roe v. Wade. And he made this, this statement out. I'll, I'll read the quote. It says, In future cases, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents because any substantive Due, pro- due process decision is demonstrably erroneous. We have a duty to correct the error established in those precedents. And of course, many immediately brought up three cases. They brought up Griswold versus Connecticut, which allowed married couples to get contraception. That was, happened in 1965. They looked at Lawrence uh, v. Texas, which allowed engagement in sexual acts by same-sex people. That was in 2003. And then Obergfell v. Hodges, which allowed same-sex marriages. And that was in 2015. Now, why do we bring this up? Because I know many are probably sitting there asking, well, 
yeah, that's the Supreme Court. We're not in the Supreme Court. You have to be appointed there, and that is for life. And I'd say that is exactly correct. But I also want to bring this up to you, especially to the believers. As you know that you also have been appointed to the court for life. And for those that aren't sure what I'm talking about, uh, if you will, if you have your Bibles handy, turn with me to Daniel chapter 7. And I'll, I'll begin at verse 9 and read through verse 14. All right? It's in, and it says this. This is Daniel speaking. It says, I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were opened. Then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and his body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. And he continues and says, I kept looking in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So there's a couple things I want to point out there. The the first is that it said, the court sat. They sat and the books were opened. I'd like to let you know that you are the court. The court seated in front of the Ancient of Days. That is the Lord God Almighty. We are the court. We have been appointed as the court. We have been given power from on high to carry out the Lord's will in this earth. To, to have dominion in the earth as the Lord's emissaries or ambassadors. And what does an emissary or an ambassador do? They take the, the rules, the laws of the individual and nation that they are representing, and they make a binding and they carry it out anywhere they are at. Well, We, Christians and believers, have been placed all over the earth and in every nation by the Lord for a reason and for a purpose. And part of that purpose is to judge. And and I want to make this point, right? Because no doubt there are many who will say and are already questioning and saying, well, well, John, there are scriptures that says, don't judge. You'll be judged how you judge, so don't judge. Well, I'll bring this up to you. 
when the court, any court, but especially the Supreme Court, is judging, what are they judging? Are they judging the person? Or are they judging the act? They're judging the act or the action. And is it in line with the laws that have been set in place? Not the person. But what they are judging is, is does this line up with the laws we have? Now, we've been given that power and authority. And in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, says this, Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels how much more matters of this life? So it is important because we have to understand what we're judging, what we've given, been given power and authority by the Lord to do. And it's not to judge the person. It is to judge the action to see if that lines up or the law or whatever it is, if it lines up with the laws of God or not. Now, when we get to this place in Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, Notice that this part about the court and the thrones were set up and the court is seated now, right? This follows Daniel's vision of the four beasts. Now there are four beasts in this, right? The first one is that of a lion. The second is that of a bear. The third is that of a leopard. And, and yes, the lion, there are specific characteristics, right? The lion has wings. Um, the bear has ribs in its teeth. And, he's, you know, there are certain things that they are doing, right? The leopard has four heads and four wings. And then there is a fourth beast, which is not really a, a description. It was not given necessarily here, right? And if we study this out historically, it also aligns with the statue that Daniel saw in the vision in Daniel chapter 2, which had to do with four different kingdoms, right? Which related to the Babylonian kingdom, uh, Medo-Persia, Greece, and then ultimately Rome. And those are all well and good things. However, I, I don't want to focus on them because... Uh, on the beasts, necessarily. There's a lot that we can go into. But I want us to to learn, in a, a sense the Lord wants us to learn, how we can stand in Him. We can't stand in Him if we're just focused on the beast and the enemy at hand, and how it relates to us historically. We need to know how this relates to us today, so we can stand today and in the future. If we really look at the book of Daniel, especially from this point forward, Daniel receives lots of these visions and explanations given to him by the Lord through his angel, right? Now, so, but he also receives instruction that these things concerning the beasts and 
and the visions that he's receiving are also for future times. Well, we are a future time. We are absolutely a future time. But uh, as we look at this, we also have to turn, as I want us to, to view this a little differently, right? If we could, let's go to 1 Samuel 17 um, real quick. And there's, there's a connection point here with, well, before he's king, David, right? And this is the, the timeless story of David and Goliath. Now, there's a, a few things that happen here. We just talked about the beast, right? I'll begin in verse 34. Where really it's, it's really all of chapter 17, but um, I'll, I'll begin reading in verse 34. So David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him, oh sorry, I went after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his head and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Now, a little background on this, right? This part concerning David and Goliath. David was sent there by his father in order to bring supplies to his brothers who were with the army and were supposed to be fighting with him. But the army hadn't fought for 40 days this giant in Goliath, a giant and a warrior, was taunting the army of Israel, saying, send me a man that we can fight, and that'll be the end of it. If he beats me, you're free, and if I beat him, then you're our slaves, essentially. And the taunts get louder and louder and closer every day to the camp of Israel. But there's a, another aspect, and when David got there, he heard him say this, Goliath. He blasphemed the Lord and our God, the God of Israel, and the Lord's armies. Now, I'll bring this up because this is something that we see with the third and fourth piece, right? And I say the third and fourth because we just heard in the same way, or a similar way, David said, I already defeated the lion and the bear. So if we look at that real quick, the lion and the bear, what is that? Those are our past victories, the past enemies that were defeated. And I'll say that we defeated, but just like David says, the Lord's the one that delivered me through this. He brought me out. I, I did my part. I did my role. 
but fully acknowledging it's the Lord that brought him through. And so there's two points in this, right? In Daniel 7, looking at the fourth beast, he notices a few different things. And one, it says how... uh, Let me find it real quick. Excuse me. Oh, yes. In In Daniel 7, verse 25, it says that he will speak out against the Most High. That is exactly what Goliath was doing. Exactly what he was doing. Revelation 13, where it also talks about the beast. Let me turn there quickly. It's Revelation 13 and verse 6 says, And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Now, that's not talking about the fourth beast. This is talking about the, the third which is supposed to look or resemble, as, as Daniel saw it in a vision, a leopard. So I want to say this about this, so we can recognize it in a new way, that this is an Antichrist. But it is the Antichrist or the, the threat, the enemy of the day. And, and I'll bring this up because it, it is incredibly important for us, the church, to recognize. And that is this. Uh, Jesus' own words in John 2, 17 through 20 says this. The world is passing away, and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now, Many antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they are not, that they all are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know the truth. And that is important for a number of reasons, especially as we look at this third beast. And if you study out Revelation 13 and what we were just reading in Daniel 7, you'll see that it is the fourth beast gives power to the third beast. So there are going to be similarities there. One is obviously the blaspheming and setting themselves against the Lord Most High and his saints to war against them. Right? And in that, in warring against them and in blaspheming the Lord, the Lord himself said there are many antichrists already in the world. So I, I, I say that to encourage us not to sit back with our feet kicked up as saints of the Most High God, waiting for the antichrist to arrive, to appear. Let's take our place now and judge the matters as the Lord gives us utterance. Because, yes, while we know that there is an Antichrist, the Antichrist coming, there are many that are operating in the spirit of the Antichrist. We just talked about that the, the Antichrist will give, that Satan will give his power 
to the Antichrist, right? Which is why Jesus also says, hey, no, no, you're operating. You are like your father, the devil. There are similarities there. They're going to operate in a similar manner. But let's not, I'll say, camp out waiting for the Antichrist to be revealed. If we look at 2 Thessalonians, beginning in chapter 2, it says this. It says, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure and be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or letter from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And here's the key. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things, and you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. So, we see even in this scripture, it's telling us, hey, yes, there is an Antichrist coming, but there are things that need to happen in order to reveal who this Antichrist is. If you look at any, any warfare, any, any battle plan, there are many objectives along the way. Many things that have to be overcome, captured, taken authority over, which then further exposes the enemy and, it's hiding, and the enemy's hiding places. Now, going back to Daniel 7, this is happening because of the Holy Spirit. Right, the, the very first verse in there says, um, the second verse, excuse me, that he was looking in his vision in the night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. The winds of heaven, the, the Holy Spirit is literally talking about that. A holy wind. And what, is, what does the Holy Spirit do? He exposes lies, deception, enemy forces, and enemy strongholds. And how does he do it? By releasing truth. By releasing himself, God, upon the earth. By bringing light to dark places. Those things are exposed. And it's not that we, as Christians or believers, show up to judge but we are here to take authority over the situation and say, this is in alignment with the Lord and this is not. And do what the Lord is leading us to do. 
You know, Jesus himself says, I did not come here to judge. But if I do judge, my judgment is true. It is pure because the Father is the one with him, right? And we see that same thing going back to David in 1 Samuel. And the reason he showed up was not to judge the situation, although he clearly did. He came to, to be an aid and to, to bless and support his brothers and those around him. That was the reason he showed up. And he became aware of a situation and something that was outside of the Lord, that was in opposition in literal warfare as well as spiritual warfare against our God. And he took control of the situation because of the Lord in him, the Holy Spirit in him and upon him. And he rose up and did what the Lord was leading him to do. And he made that declaration known, that he judged the matter. It wasn't the reason he showed up. So we see that in Christ. We see that, that example in David. But it also it applies for us today. It absolutely applies to us today. Not that we can do it of ourselves. We have to be led by his Holy Spirit. Absolutely have to be at every level and every area of our lives. We brought up Martin Luther King in the beginning because he said, the laws of man must align with the laws of God. Well, it also, we have to look at our Supreme Court and our nation. Our, do our laws line up with the laws of God? Not that we're trusting the Supreme Court. They are not God. Our, our president, our leaders, they are not God. We all have to be submitted to the Lord and his saints especially should, should be, I'll say, exercising our authority. And by that, I mean utilizing the tools, the wisdom, which is the Lord's wisdom that he has given us in how to operate and what to say and what to do in the situation. And not just what to say and what to do, but how to say it and how to do it. This absolutely matters for us today. And not just today, but how we conduct our lives, how we set it up for also the future. We have work to do. As saints, we have work, we have a role, we have responsibilities to do. And part of that is judging, right? And by judging, it is those things that are in line or out of line with the Lord. But we can't do that unless we, we understand, right? Ezekiel 44, 23 and 24 says this, that they, that is those that know, the shepherds or pastors, or leaders, those that are submitted to the Lord shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. It says, in a dispute, they shall take their stand to judge, and they shall judge it according to my, that is the Lord's ordinances. They shall also keep my laws and my statutes in all appointed feasts and sanctify my Sabbaths. 
And I'm reminded of exactly what Martin Luther King wrote in his letter to the clergy while sitting in jail in Birmingham City. I'm reminded of exactly that. He says, concerning the laws, it's not about imposing them on one. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he, he says it's not about imposing them on a smaller group, but not following themselves, right? It's, it's exactly what the Lord talks about in James. You say you have faith. Some say they have works. I'll show you my faith by my works. I'm not just going to talk about how we live this out. I'm going to live this out and before everyone so that everyone can see the example first set forth in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you with that this evening. To not be concerned with the beasts and with those that are operating and have submitted themselves to the spirit of the Antichrist. But let us judge those things and those matters, bringing them under control and subjection to our Lord and Savior, not abdicating our place and our responsibility, but moving forward with power that was given to us from on high through the Lord and the leading of his Holy Spirit to administer life to the situation, to bring freedom, to bring deliverance from the captives, and to build up those around us. And that can only be done in and through Christ, working in and through us, because he utilizes people. So let us be utilized the Lord to, to help bring about that deliverance, that freedom that can only truly be found in Christ. So I'd like to thank you all for joining me today, this evening. And I just encourage you to move forward in the Lord and the things of the Lord, to seek Him. And I'd like to thank you for joining this show, Matters of Life, where we stand for righteousness and justice. Good night.